Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Of all the misconceptions about foods I discuss in the clinic, the most surround eggs. So here's a few things that I'd really like to clear up once and for all. For a long time, people with high cholesterol were told to avoid eggs. Yes, eggs do contain fat and cholesterol, but not all fats are bad. And it's now widely understood that the good cholesterol within them doesn't increase your level of bad cholesterol. Raw eggs are not a better source of protein than cooked eggs. In fact, you are more likely to absorb more protein from cooked eggs and far less likely to get ill. And if they're thoroughly cooked, they're absolutely safe for pregnant women to enjoy too. Many people don't eat yolks because they're considered to be unhealthy. However, it's the yolks that contain pretty much all of the nutrition in eggs, so stop throwing them away. There is no recommended limit on how many eggs people should eat, so please do enjoy two or three at breakfast without any concern. On your next supermarket list, add Clarence Court free-range eggs. I'm telling you, the rich flavor and color of their yolks really can make the most ordinary recipes extraordinary. You can find Clarence Court eggs in all the major supermarkets, including Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Tesco, Ocado. And to learn more, please visit clarencecourt.co.uk. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health, so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Have you ever wondered why some foods make you feel sleepy, while others give you a lift? Do you sometimes find yourself dozing off after a big meal or reaching for a sugary snack when you're tired? In addition to giving us nourishment, the things we eat and drink can pick us up or slow us down. So joining me today is registered nutritionist and author Rob Hobson, who's going to help us understand the effects that food and drink can have on the body, how it keeps us alert during the day and to avoid the agony of sleeplessness. 
Hello, Rob. Hello, Bree. How are you doing? I'm really well. How are you? Very well, thank you. Good. Minus a cold, I think. Minus a little bit of a cold. Yeah. So uh, excuse the <laughs> spluttering. Oh, don't you worry. Um, to be honest, the information you're going to give us today is worth every ounce of spluttering. Oh, so you can be yourself in this room. I think we'll start with the fact that we know that two thirds of adults in the UK are failing to get the recommended quality and the quantity of the sleep they need. So could our nutrition be more uh, kind of an effective tool for getting an early night, do you think? Yeah, I mean, the thing is with sleep uh, is there's lots of different elements. There's loads of reasons why people can't sleep. Anxiety, mm. maybe your other half snores. And <laughs> oh, yes. My other half snores quite a lot. Yes. Um, but it, I think it's it, diet is just one of the, the things that might help. So in my new book, I talk about diet, behaviour and environment or behavior environment diet bed yeah and it's about and diet definitely plays a role in that it's not clear cut but diet definitely plays a role in helping you to sleep a bit better on many different levels. That's why I really wanted you on because obviously you've written a book specifically about and as a registered nutritionist, I think we did a podcast before with a doctor of sleep on the other areas. Yeah. And to really touch on nutrition is so, so important. I mean, what are the foods that you would say are best to include more of in our diet, which might help the amount of sleep we get each night? Are there any particular food groups? Yeah, I mean, I think that you start with eating a varied diet because then you know you're going to get a nice wide range of nutrients. I think that there are many things that impact on your eating. Mm. So if you've not slept very well, you might not feel like eating, you might get depression and that causes your appetite to be, or your eating to be a bit more frenetic. Um, So in terms of the nutrients, I mean, magnesium, uh, the B vitamins, um, they they and, and actually calcium as well. They're actually involved in making melatonin in the brain, which is the sleep hormone. Um, so they're the ones I would say you should focus on. I think magnesium especially. Um, magnesium is quite, actually quite hard to absorb from food, mm. and we know from the NDS survey that um, especially teenage girls have really low intake. So that yes. would be one of the things I would probably focus on nutrient wise yeah really interesting and when you you mention those nutrients so for example where where can you find find them for people listening like sources of magnesium if it was magnesium you'd be looking at kind of green vegetables uh nuts seeds those kind of foods so the plant-based diet is perfect for those that that particular nutrient um we know where to get calcium from dairy foods um, and also some plant-based foods and then the b vitamins you shouldn't really have a problem with b B vitamins Mm. because they're just so abundant in food so as long as you're eating a wide variety you should get everything that you need yeah no definitely and it's really important to reiterate that that we're not talking about a miracle supplement here no we're talking about actual food now i hear a lot of people saying that sugar can affect sleep is this a bit of a myth or is this correct yeah sugar can affect sleep and it can affect your your sleep quality so it can actually pull you out of deep sleep if you have too much sugar in the day um so yeah i would definitely think about cutting down your sugar for many reasons including sleep um the other way that's that that sugar impacts on the body which is quite interesting is i don't know if you've heard of orexin cells Mm. Yeah. Now, so please explain this for our listeners. Orexin cells. <laughs> uh, so this is a quick lesson for for the listeners. So orexin cells basically um, help to to produce the hormones that keep us alert in the day, and they're very sensitive to glucose, so sugar. So um, if you have a very sort of high sugary or, or very quickly digested carbohydrate meal for lunch, for example, that can affect your. It can make you quite sleepy because these cells are, are sensitive to, to the, the glucose. So um, 
so yeah and if you get sleepy after lunch it could cause napping and that could affect your sleep later in the day um so yeah i think sugar is yeah definitely a biggie yeah no i think that's fascinating and when we're talking about sugars and carbohydrates i think it's quite yeah. important to also add that carbs have been shown also to benefit sleep haven't they yeah totally i mean i'm i'm pro carbs yeah. um and yeah yeah they can definitely benefit and this is to do with tryptophan so tryptophan is a hormone that makes melatonin in the brain the sleep regulates sleep um and by eating carbohydrate foods you can actually help with the uptake of tryptophan into the brain because it's um you release insulin and that causes less competition with other amino acids to take it up into the brain so yeah as an evening meal it could be really good to include carbs to help you to sleep but are we talking about the different types of carbs so i know that us registered nutritionists (laughs) and dietitians out there will say it's the quality and the quantity yes well ironically it's actually the more quickly digestible carbs that have a better effect so if you were going to pick a pasta as much as i would say eat plenty of fiber (laughs) in your diet um you know, having a white bowl of pasta might actually be a little bit better to I get love that effect. That. That's I love great. Good quality white pasta as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had some. Uh, it's totally irrelevant, but I had the most amazing truffled mushroom white pasta oh, so yesterday for dinner. And um, I think at the moment, being pregnant as well, I find um, I find it very. I just need carbs, Rob. Yeah. I need carbs all the yeah. time, and yeah. I could sleep all throughout the day. Yeah. So. What about cheese? Because <laughs> I think yeah, the old wives' tale that cheese gives you nightmares. Yeah. Well, there might actually be some truth in that because cheese contains tyramine, and it's one of the things that causes migraines in some people. But it also stimulates norepinephrine, which could, in theory, um, keep you awake. I mean, it's not going to be a massive effect but if you're struggling to sleep then it might just be one of the things you want to explore and tyramine is in things like red wine uh tyramine yeah it's in red wine it's also in uh chocolate Mm. um it's in aubergines as well but i would never recommend anybody cuts vegetables out of their diet so no and they're all kind of the best things in life aubergine in my opinion um exactly chocolate (laughs) yeah so it's a bit of trial and error everybody's different i think what's really important to say here is that We always say this, that that there's no one size fits all. So when it comes to sleep, it's the same thing. It's a bit of trial and error. It depends on your lifestyle. It depends on your mood as to how you feel, what you want to eat. And I think that that it's just different for everybody. Oh, completely. And the old wives' tales of, um, is it cheese gives you nightmares? It's cheese gives you nightmares. But I think the thing with those old wives' tales is sometimes there's a little bit of truth in them somewhere, which I think is quite quite interesting. Yeah. Like, where has it spanned from? I mean, the words that you hear frequently with sleep, like you've just mentioned, a tryptophan, serotonin, melatonin. Maybe actually we should break down what each of those are in a little bit more detail. Yes. So um, I said earlier, melatonin is the hormone that regulates sleep. Mm. So you've got your circadian rhythm and around sort of nine o'clock between nine and 11 in the evening, the body starts to produce melatonin and that makes us feel quite sleepy. Um, Serotonin, you could think of as the wake hormone. So when the sun comes up, it triggers the body to stop producing so much melatonin and it starts to produce serotonin. And um, that's via cortisol, another hormone. So that can... That helps to rouse us and get us out of bed. So in the morning, 
open up the curtains and yeah. get as much natural light as you can to sort of get that going and get you woken up. It's pretty dark at the moment, so you could use a light box yeah. um, or just, just any light, just switch the lights on. It makes um, sense because serotonin is also like a happy hormone. It's the happy So you're happy hormone. to be awake. Exactly, exactly. Um, so they're those two. What's the third and one? And then you tryptophan as yeah. well, like you mentioned before. I did. So tryptophan, as I mentioned, is an amino acid. Yeah. It's the least abundant amino acid in the body. Um, and we need to get it from the diet because it's essential. So yeah. the body can't produce it. We get it from protein. Yes, exactly. You get it from protein. Uh, foods like soya, um, poultry, all those kind of things. So when people talk about turkey helping you to sleep and make you sleepy, it comes from this idea of tryptophan. Um, there's a lot of competition for uptake into the brain by the different amino acids. So when you eat a carb, as I said earlier, it produces insulin, draws those amino acids away, but tryptophan remains, and then it's more easily taken up into the brain where it's used to produce serotonin and melatonin. So, and that's the amazing thing. I think the problem we have, and I know you and I see it in our careers yeah. all the time, is when people eliminate whole food groups, is that this yes. is one disrupt, disruption in uh, your biological... Very, you're functioning every single day because yeah. if you surely take the carbs down, the uptake of tryptophan to the brain will go down and sleep can be affected. Yeah, I mean, oh God, it sounds so boring, but it, it kind of all comes down to balance, doesn't it? Every yeah. time. And it, it sounds dull, but it really is about just getting the right the right balance of food, just finding your your level, if you like. Completely. I also think it's important to mention for anyone following a plant-based diet or lifestyle where, um, and obviously by plant-based I just mean reducing your animal products. Yeah. Equally, if you are a vegan, really have a look into, and we've got lots of resources out there. I've got my ebook on how to eat well plant-based, but you need to know where you're getting your protein from and the sources. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think some vegans, especially people that are new to vegan or people that are trying to switch, find an alternative to meat, do struggle a little bit with what to include. Mm. Um, beans and pulses. Yeah. I've just... been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always talk about beans and pulses. <laughs> Actually, good a good source of tryptophan. Um Good fibre, good source of protein. I think it's so important, like you said, just if you are eating a plant-based diet, like Rob said at the very, very beginning, a varied diet Very with diet. lots of beans. It's key. Well, again, these plant-based foods don't contain all the amino acids, yeah. so a wide range across the day will make sure you get plenty of what you need. No, completely. Yeah. And I know your background as well has involved obviously writing, uh, co-writing the Detox Kitchen Bible yeah. and you, you've done so much work with recipe development as well yeah. and it's yeah. possible, isn't it, to eat well? It, yeah, yeah. And I really love the idea of sort of um, eating for health condition. You know, food can heal. I'm not going to say it's like going to cure you no. but you can use food in lots of different ways to help with different conditions and, and sleep is just one example of, of how you can do that completely yeah. I mean I think one question I'm always asked in clinic especially in the retrition clinic is why is it after eating meals we feel so tired we need to nap I mean what is the lunch the post-lunch nap yeah what is that <laughs> yeah why is that, <laughs> my why is that always happening Rob well I think it depends on the type of food that you eat so I mentioned earlier about the the effect of these orexin cells and how they're sensitive to glucose and that how could that could make you uh, lethargic mm. so if you're going to eat a very high carb um, lunch and especially because during one and three in the afternoon that part of our circadian rhythm is again when we start to feel a little bit sleepy so if you're having that lunch by the time tiredness hits and it's exacerbated by your body's natural rhythm you could feel quite tired interestingly about those orexin cells is that protein has much less effect so protein actually 
pauses the um actually encourages them to produce these stay awake hormones and it also takes away that sensitivity to glucose so it's an argument that if you have trouble sleeping or afternoon lethargy maybe go for something high in protein for lunch that could be a really so good option sense. yeah maybe yeah. have um like i did the other night the pasta at dinner yeah, instead do it that way yeah switch it around we're not saying give it up but should we power nap rob you know if we could in a real ideal world <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it'd be nice to be able to just sit down and have a nap, wouldn't it? I know, I know. I think we're craving that in the studio right now. Uh, yeah, so I'm all for napping, but you've just got to watch how long you nap for. So if you nap for too long, more than 30 minutes, you run the risk of falling into deep sleep and you're going to wake up feeling groggy. It's not going to do you any favours. So the power nap... 10 minutes is really effective. I don't know what you were like at uni, but I always used to put my head down on the desk and that 10 minutes just completely invigorated me and it just sort of takes the edge off. Um, The other thing to do is before, I I read this in another author's book, is before you take a nap, have a shot of coffee because as the caffeine kicks in, it sort of jolts you out of your your sleep. Depends how sensitive to caffeine you are, but uh, that's one tip. That That's a geni- the genius cool, idea. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a good, good little tip. Because I often find when I'm about to, if I've tried to nap before, and especially now I need to nap all the time, and I'm finding that I just don't want to wake up again. Even after 10 minutes, I'm just like, no, please. I don't feel energised. <laughs> I'm like, I just need to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it also depends on, I guess, other factors. If you're, if you're feeling quite low of mood, that could make you not really want to get up cold weather could make you not want to get up it's all cozy but you know for if you want to make sure that you sleep well in the evening you don't want to be lying around in bed for too long uh it's this idea that people have that they can catch up on their sleep um my other half spends the whole weekend in bed and says oh i need to catch up on my sleep but (laughs) actually what you need to be doing is readjusting your system so keep your body in sync with with a set pattern of sleep because that's the best way to continue to sleep well. Yeah, oh, it, it's so fascinating. I was doing some research as well, and apparently, I don't know what you, you would think on this, but out of the five primary taste sensations, people want unami and sour. I mean, is there, there a reason why people are craving these things? And does that affect, is it after a lack of sleep that they want this particular type of taste, like sour foods? Yeah, and... I'm not entirely sure. Um, I guess... Well, the reason I think people might crave certain foods if they're tired yeah. is a bit of comfort. It might be that you're trying to wake yourself up and you think it's a good idea to dose up on sugar because you think that's going to jolt you out of or, or give you a bit of energy. But this actually goes back, there, there's a theory of hedonic eating, which is all about craving. And research showed that people that don't sleep very well are more prone to this hedonic eating, which is eating for pleasure over appetite. So you're full, but you still want something say sweet so you know when you've eaten and you're really (laughs) full and you go i want that dessert because i just want it so yeah so that hedonic way and and and, yeah they think that that might have something to do with the fact that um it's augmented by the endocannabinoid system Yeah. yeah so uh that kind of augments that craving it's actually the thing that when you smoke marijuana not that i do um (laughs) it's that that 
that key ingredient in that that causes cravings it's the same system so they think that if you're tired you're more prone to hedonic eating and more likely to want to snack on sort of sweet foods that's so interesting i remember a flashback so i did a level three pt course last year and then mentioned thank you i know something (laughs) something else but i don't Mm -hmm. anyway that's a whole other story but they mentioned endocannabinoid systems yeah i'm actually surprised i got that word out because i do get a bit tongue twisted i had to really think about that then it's like endocannabinoid systems (laughs) (laughs) and they said that when you exercise it's not a dopamine hit you're getting it's the endocannabinoid I have to keep saying it now systems that are kicking in like a kind of reward thing so it's really interesting that how when you're sleep deprived I think the old wives tales again of have a lucasade have have a sugary item is that the worst thing people can do then when they're tired um, I think that, yeah, I think if you rely on uppers as such, so your your energy drinks, that kind of thing, I, I don't think you're doing yourself a huge amount of favours um, because you're just, your blood sugar's affected. So you're up and you're down and that's going to make you feel worse and maybe a bit more tired. Um, and also it might be, people might do this because they have woken up really exhausted and they just don't feel like eating. Uh, I know from experience, I really struggled with insomnia for years and that's why I wrote this book. Um, I would wake up so exhausted. The last thing I wanted to do was eat, but I could very easily down a, a sugary drink on the way to work because it was, you know, you felt like you were pepping yourself up as such, yeah. but I, it, it's not a great idea. No, I think focusing on a, a balanced diet and trying to eat well is probably a more productive thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, you know, the, the types of foods that maybe you might want to eat for breakfast if you've woken up really exhausted yes, yeah. might be quite interesting for listeners yeah, so i know from experience and i talked to a lot of people when i wrote the book that also don't sleep and i think what you look it's easier to eat foods that may be lighter and fresher and so something like maybe some yogurt with some fruit just a small bit of yogurt a breakfast smoothie is quite easy to get down and these are foods that don't take a lot of preparation so mm. if you really can't be bothered to make anything mm. it's zero effort yeah. um so yeah, I think they are that those kind of foods. I think are probably quite. Easy. And actually, okay. what you might want to do as well, if your appetite is affected, is think about eating smaller meals across the day. So don't overface yourself with food. If you really like tired and you just don't want to eat, just just little nutritious, not snacks, but you know, little meals across the day. I think that's really good advice. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless ready to get 30 30 ready to get 30 ready to get 20 20 20 ready to get 20 20 ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month so give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot may be your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
Nice. What about the timing of our meals as well? Surely that would have an impact then, but maybe before we go to bed, just as much as when we wake up. Well, it's really down to the individual. I would wait a couple of hours before you go to bed to eat. And I think the main reason for this is probably more digestion mm. than anything else. A lot of people mm. suffer with heartburn um, and those kind of things, and that can keep you awake. So I would say that's it's it's more to do with that. Yeah, I um, think you're right to also say that it depends on the individual again yeah, because yeah. there's so much emerging research coming out about time-restricted eating, and I think Satch and Panda have done some studies yeah. on times you should go to bed after eating. But actually, it depends on your lifestyle. It totally does. Well, I'm not entirely sure how intermittent fasting um that kind of stuff really fits into the whole concept of sleep. Because if you eat very early, there's a good chance you're going to be starving by the time you go to bed. Mm. And evening time is a time when we particularly crave food. Yeah. We tend to be more hungry in the evening and we tend to be more prone to snacking because we're sat in front of the TV in the winter. It's a very long evening to get through. So, yeah, it's interesting actually to think about how that would fit in. The body's a remarkable thing and I'm finding especially now that I, I wake up at 3 or 4am hungry yeah. if I don't have a snack. That's nice. Yeah, well, you know, it's <laughs> going through the kitchen in the pitch black, raiding the yeah, cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to eat very late in the evening before. So it's, it's so interesting how fascinating the body is. I want to touch on caffeine a bit more, Rob, because I just think... Yes. We are a lover in the UK. We're a caffeine-loving nation. Um, Me too. Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> yeah. when we arrived, what was the drink of choice today? Uh, yeah, that was a coffee. coffee. That was a coffee. <laughs> Is it true it stays in our system for eight hours or more? It could stay for longer, actually. So I would say three to five hours average, but it could stay for 12 hours. Um, you actually have a gene that makes you more sensitive to caffeine. You're going to ask me what it is, aren't you? I am, but I don't know myself. C-Y-P-1-A something or other. Well done. Uh, Yeah, very (laughs) impressed. Um, But this this gene is is to do with metabolising caffeine. So if you have the gene, lucky you, then you might be more of a fast metabolizer. So you might be less affected by caffeine. Uh, If you're having trouble sleeping, I would ditch caffeine after midday. I'd just cut it out just, just to be sure. And caffeine's hidden in so yourself, many right? products. But yeah, if you cut it out for you're sensitive. But it's everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's in places where you don't expect it to be, I think, as yeah. well. chocolate. That's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favourite things. Yeah. chocolate before bed. Chocolate, uh, tea, uh, those kind of foods. And of course, energy drinks. You know, people, especially kids, my God, they drink those huge energy drinks before class. Maybe it's bouncing off the walls, right? I- can't even imagine I mean what would you suggest to people that are having a hard time and I have this in clinic a lot they want to cut their caffeine consumption how much do you think is a healthier amount per day I know it's very individual and what would be the alternative so I couldn't say off the top of my head what was a healthier amount because I think it is you you need to know for yourself I think when it comes to cutting back on coffee I I couldn't live without my morning coffee and I love that coffee. It's like the best coffee of the day. I'll then probably have another one mid-morning. But after that, I think maybe switch to something that's more invigorating, like a ginger tea might be quite nice, ginger lemon. If you still want that coffee flavour, you could always just have a decaf. Um, But wean yourself off slowly if you drink a lot of coffee. Uh, It's quite hard to get off coffee completely. I would find it really, really difficult. So savour that first one and then just think about cutting the afternoon ones out. I think that's really good advice because a lot of people I mean if cold turkey works for you that's great but actually Rob and I would always suggest 
the healthier way is to do it slowly course, and sustainably. Of course. And that kind of leads me on to something that everyone's probably thinking, alcohol, Rob. Yeah. What I'll is never the... touch the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what is the lowdown? Is it having a bit impact on our, I don't know, REM cycles of sleep? How does it work? Yeah, so REM is one of the stages of your cycles of sleep and alcohol definitely interrupts that. Um, so it can give you less REM sleep and REM sleep is when the brain processes memories. So it's really important. Um but also alcohol keeps you awake, it dehydrates you, right? Um, so, and, and a lot of people use it as a sedative. I think it's one of the most popular sort of home sedative so. things, but it's the double-edged sword. It could relax you, but too much, and you are probably going to be awake all night. Um, it can make you snore. Yeah, and from experience, that is really annoying when you're trying to sleep and your other half is snoring um, because it, it relaxes the jaw and the throat so the, the airway kind of collapses and that causes snoring. Um, so yeah, lo- lots of different ways in which it can affect you. So if you're struggling to sleep or you're keeping your other half asleep, I would sort of try and cut back. Yeah, I mean, it's also a depressant, isn't it? So surely the mood yeah. can't help either. The mood can't help. It is a depressant. And I think if also if you... If you drink a lot and you have an unhealthy lifestyle, it also contributes to weight gain, mm. which can also contribute to lots of other different things. Or sleep um, apnea, for one. Um, exactly. Is it is actually a very, very common thing now, especially with the rise in um, the health of the nation when we're talking about weight in general and alcohol consumption, I think. so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, sleep apnea, it's not caused by alcohol. So I think there's probably a misconception Mm. that if you drink, you're going to get sleep apnea. But it definitely makes things worse if you have sleep apnea. And I think that it's, uh, I think it was shown that people that drink habitually are also at more risk Mm. of sleep apnea. So Mm. if that's an issue for you, then you really want to cut back on the booze. It's really hard, though, to tell people just to stop drinking. Um, So my advice is to be drink less and maybe drink much earlier in the evening with a meal. I just drink sensibly. Yeah, no, I agree. Like the Mediterranean do. Like the Mediterranean do, exactly. <laughs> Not like many Londoners do. No, so. if only we could imagine we're on holiday <laughs> with that nice evening meal oh, and a glass of food. I know. That sounds so good. Um, <laughs> so I have definitely asked my questions. I think, actually, no, one other thing would be the link between, um, before I get questions mm. from followers, um, we were both at a conference yesterday, um, the National yeah. European Nutrition Conference, Um and we were speaking about sleep deprivation and obesity. Do you know of any links between this? Is there something that's come up in your research for the book and particular foods, obviously? Yeah. So, um, hedonic eating, again, interesting topic. There was research that showed that people that don't sleep very well are more prone to hedonic eating, which is quite interesting. And obviously, if you're going to be one of the, if you're prone to hedonic eating, there's a likelihood that you might eat more food and snack and have more calories. So that could be linked to obesity. Um, what's really interesting is there was some other research by Loughborough University that looked at the BMI of people that don't sleep, and they found that people that sleep less are more prone to have a higher-than-average BMI, which I thought was really interesting, compared to people that sleep for eight hours. So yeah. there is a link there, and they reckon that that could be to do with hormones. So leptin which is satiety, and then you've got ghrelin, which is appetite. And they think that people who don't sleep very well, actually they have less uh, leptin and more ghrelin. Mm. So the effect of that is they're hungrier 
Um, but this stuff is all, it's really early science. None of it is proven. People that don't sleep are not automatically overweight. No. So, but it's an interesting area and it could be a, it, it could be a reason for why people maybe are, are becoming obese. And actually it gives you another angle to focus, to, to really cut down those reasons that foresight report with like a million different reasons for obesity but there's another another angle there I mean there are a million different reasons and I I think as with everything like you said again at the very beginning of the podcast was there are so many reasons affecting sleep but today we've just touched really on the nutrition angle just with obesity or any other thing in life so many factors Mm. um so people have emailed in Cam has said, I always crave lions on the weekend, but should I be waking up around the same time as I do during the week? It sounded like you said lions then. <laughs> I said it very quickly. <laughs> Sleeping I lo- lions. I want a lion on the weekend. That's Roar. a game though, isn't it? Uh, Sleeping yeah. lions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mentioned my other half earlier who um, thinks he can catch up on his sleep. So yeah, I... It's fine to have a lion, but if you're hitting the snooze button the whole time, you're working against the natural pattern of your circadian rhythm. So if you're lying in bed all weekend, you're not going to wake up on Monday morning feeling refreshed. You're going to feel really tired. I'm not telling anybody they should get up at six o'clock in the morning on the weekend. (laughs) But I think that the more you program your body to to go to bed the same time at night and wake up the same time in the morning, the better you're going to sleep, especially if you're not a very good sleeper. Some people are fine. They just sleep all the time and they're great. But if you have trouble with sleeping, then you need to get that pattern right. Good advice. And Harry has asked, um, I'm really trying not to snack after dinner. How long should I be leaving between you know, eating in the evening and then going to sleep? So, yeah, snacking's an issue at night, as we said earlier. Um, I, I just give it a couple of hours before you go to bed. Um, if you if you're if you're one of those people that likes to snack at night, then don't leave it too early before you go to bed to eat because you're there's a chance, good chance you're going to be quite hungry before you go to yeah. bed and want snacks. But yeah, I'd give it a couple of hours yeah, before that's you go good. to bed. Yeah. I think also the um, another reason, perhaps snacking obviously for hunger, but there's a big difference when we get emotional eating and that's a whole other oh, story yeah, because... I know so many clients that can end up in a complete cycle of snacking until the minute they go to bed consistently when they get home. Yeah, I mean, it's not my field of expertise, but I guess um, if you're you're emotionally feeling quite down as well, Mm. which could be triggered by a lack of sleep, actually... um, then you you might just be comfort eating through the evening, especially like I said, it's dark now, it's winter, so you have a very long space. It's it's quite a long time before you go to bed and it's pitch black when you get home, so... Mm. You may be more prone to snacking. It yeah. is hard. Yeah. We're fighting against nature's circadian rhythm, really, in the yeah. winter months. Yeah. Um, Maddie, oh, this is kind of what we did before. Um, we've kind of touched on this, Maddie, but a quick answer from Rob. I'm struggling to cut coffee. What are the suggestions to wean off it? <laughs> yeah, so as we said before, savour that first one. Uh, you know, maybe have one a little later in the morning, but just try and try and give yourself half a day without coffee the later half of the day look for something that's a bit more invigorating ginseng tea is quite nice that's more stimulating but not in a caffeine kind of way uh i drink loads of ginger tea because i love it it's really spicy and it kind of just perks you up um what about green teas because a bit less caffeine there's a little less caffeine but it's still got caffeine it is um and i say you could try decaffeinated coffee some people are really funny about decaf coffee um but, you know, it's like a diet soda if you drink sodary drinks, if it's a good way to try and wean yourself off onto something that's a little less 
caffeinated. It all has a yeah. place. It all, it has, all a place. has a place. Oh, Clark. We've never had a Clark email in before. Um, nice name. So Clark has said, I'm worried that I'm not getting enough sleep. Should I get a sleeping device so I can monitor it? It's really interesting you asked that question because I read something in the paper the other day that was quite negative about sleep devices. So I think they're a really good way, especially if you're trying... So I, in the book, I talk about developing your own sleep ritual. Yeah. And I think having a sleep device will help you to monitor how that's working. Um, where I think they're not so great is uh, people don't understand them. So one of the things people always say is, oh, I didn't get any deep sleep. And then they really stress about that. But actually, your body doesn't get a lot of deep sleep only a couple of cycles through the night and then we don't get any more because you're very vulnerable when you're in deep sleep so the body wants to wake you up as quickly as possible uh, or get you out sorry it wants to get you out of deep sleep as wow. quickly as possible um <clears throat> but the anxiety associated with not sleeping is one of the causes of insomnia it just exacerbates itself so if you're constantly looking and stressing about the fact you haven't slept and they are quite addictive, my Fitbit, I'm constantly like looking at my phone and looking at the sleep, but it could make you more anxious about not sleeping. So and it, it may not be accurate. Surely it, it can't be, be 100%. I'm not entirely sure how they work. I guess it's off your heart rate and movement, but yeah, I mean, it, it's not 100% accurate. And like I said, if you're stressing about sleeping, it could make things a little bit worse. Interesting. Yeah. Well, this moves me on to my favourite part, which is our fact or fiction round. <gasps> Are you ready? <laughs> Go for it. Okay, so if you answer fact or fiction yeah. to the following, I've picked the day where you are poorly, but we're going to rock this, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Rhiannon. <laughs> Here we go. Eating right has a bigger impact on your sleep than exercise. I want to say half and half here, actually. That's but let's fine. say I'm going to stick in the middle. Because okay. if you exercise too closely to bed, that could affect your sleep. Bingo. Bingo. Daylight helps set sleeping patterns. Yes, that's a fact. The keto diet can help your sleep. Wouldn't have a clue, but I'm going to say myth. <laughs> Love it. Cool temperatures help encourage sleep. Yes, definitely. That's so interesting because I, I'm sorry I'm interrupting the round, but no, I no. love to have a hot bath before bed. Yeah, but give yourself enough time to cool down because it's the cooling down that helps, helps with melatonin sleep. production and helps you to, to sleep. So, mm, Drinking milk before bed can make you sleep better. Uh, it's that old wives' tale again. <laughs> so the milk and honey thing, that's yeah. actually really interesting because milk's a source of tryptophan and honey would be the sweet carbohydrate that would help uptake it. So it's another one of those wives' tales, whatever. Uh, but warm milk, I think, yeah, it's, it's... Well, it makes you feel quite nice and a bit sleepy. Yeah. So mentally... I'm going to say yes. Lovely. God damn it, yes. Love it, yeah. Sleeping during the day is unhealthy. It depends if you need to nap and how well you've slept. <laughs> so I think it's not a good habit to get into if you already sleep well, because it could affect your sleeping later on at night. But if you've really struggled, I think just a short nap can help to get you going. Salmon is the best source of protein to support sleep. Silence. <laughs> <laughs> well, salmon is a source of tryptophan. Yeah. And I think that given most people in this country don't eat any oily fish and it's so good for you for many other reasons, I'm going to say it's a fact. Brilliant. Snoring is a sign of bad health. Um, myth. Okay. Yeah. Herbal teas in the evening help accelerate sleep. Ah, oh, we didn't talk about this, did we? Mm. Yes. So I'm a big fan of valerian. Mm. Yeah, which uh, which is all to do with GABA in the brain which yes. is quite interesting. So uh, You're going to have to go into it. Sorry, fact or fiction round. One more question. Tell us about the GABA. I love oh, this. God, I've put myself on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's all to do with um, 
with sort of relaxation and anxiety. It's to do with anxiety. So the more GABA you have, the, the less stimulated you are. So that's why valerian is good for anxiety. It's not actually for sleep. It's for mild anxiety. But that is part and parcel of not being able to sleep. And I find it like a really useful herb to help you to sleep. You get it in a tea, absolutely It's L-theanine. It's just come back to me. Isn't it L-theanine in tea (laughs) that stimulates GABA? Oh, gosh, that's going back for me. It's a biology lesson, isn't it? It is, isn't it? But, but yeah, it's those those receptors, the GABA in the brain, to do the valerian, and it's to help sort of make you less stimulated, which is, is... what, what anxiety mean? is basically so brilliant uh the less sleep you get the higher your cholesterol nah, i don't think so i think that's a myth well done that was our <laughs> quick fire round great great <laughs> um so that nearly wraps up this episode but as with every guest today we finish with a food for thought so mine today would be never underestimate the power of sleep we all love it but rarely do we get enough each night and i think as rob and i discussed um you know, the alarm goes off, we hit snooze, we feel like we haven't woken up properly. And I think so many of us are working more and more like around the clock. And the irony is that so many people give up sleep in the name of productivity. So sleep deprivation can hurt you both physically and emotionally. And I think Rob's also touched on the fact that it can affect your emotions today. Yet the myths exist that we can do our jobs well on four or five or six hours of sleep as we can just the same on seven or eight, which is just not true. So I think, Rob, if you could leave everyone today with one take-home message, one food for thought, what would that be? In relation to sleep... I would go, it could be food for thought. Yeah, in relation, I'll make it in relation to sleep. I think that um, I'm going to go back to this very diet thing. Let's just get back to basics. And before you start exploring too many different avenues and uh, about troubles with whatever it is, sleeping, any other part of your diet. um, Yeah, just get back to basics. I think it's so complicated at the moment, right? Eating has got so (laughs) complicated, so complicated. (laughs) Even I struggle to keep up with some of the diets. And People look for so many different reasons, just not not to take a basic approach. There right? seems to be a panacea for everything these days yeah, that we just can't yeah. um, can't. So yeah, take it back to basics. Take Rob, it back to basics. That was a brilliant food for thought. Thank awesome. you so much for joining it's us. It's a today. pleasure. Thanks, Ree. Thank you so much for listening to what is the last episode in Series Four of Food for Thought. I've been blown away by all of your feedback. I'd like to share a special thank you to all of my wonderful guests and of course all of you listeners. Your five-star ratings and positive reviews have been so humbling and incredible to read. Please do subscribe so that we can reach even higher highs in the charts and help more people make informed choices about their health and well-being. For more information about my Retrition Clinic, books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com and follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.